um, I have all of my fingers and toes crossed in the hope that everything works smoothly. So we're going to give this a shot. All right. Uh, Good morning, Kate. Good morning, Gillian. Good morning. Hello. Yes, it worked. <laughs> there is, um, as Gillian said when I, when I gave her a call and I had her just um, off air there, that there is that there is that sense that we're all helping each other out with the technology at the moment. And I'm, I've, I've been, I've been doing radio for years, and this is the first time I've had two phones connected into the desk. And um, I'm not going to lie to you, I was intimidated, but I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I suppose probably what I should do is tell everybody who you are and, wh- and, and why you are here. Um, Gillian Greer is a playwright and she has uh, written the incredibly uh, phenomenal award-winning Petals. And uh, Kate Gilmore is the super talented uh, actor that uh, voiced the, um, I mean, all, all of the characters in uh, in, in Petals. Um Ladies, I have to tell you that I have listened to Petals on a couple of occasions and um, it something that has kind of occurred that I wasn't really expecting was that every time I listen to it, I come away with a different perspective or I hear a different thing or I, I come away with a completely different point of view from what I had the last time I listened to it. Um, I don't want to... I, I I don't want to spoil anything for people who may not have um, listened to the drama uh, uh, just yet. I'm going to turn my attention to to Gillian because you're the the creator of this of this work in in terms of uh, writing this drama, and I I would hate to uh, make any assumptions around what what was the, f- the the starting inspiration for this. So, Gillian, do you want to kind of Give us, give us and the listeners an insight into how you decided to write this content. Sure. I mean, it, it's funny because um, it's funny that it's winning this award now um, because it, it was actually written quite a long time ago. Um, Paddles was one of the first full plays I wrote. Um, I'm so sorry. Did, I, did my phone make a noise? That's very embarrassing. <laughs> We're with but, you um, on the technology. Yeah. Don't worry, Gillian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it was one of the first um, plays that I wrote and it was written maybe in 2013, 2014. Um, And obviously like the conversation around, um, you know, sexual assault and consent and and the the issues that the play deals with have have completely transformed since then. Um, But at the time, what I wanted to write um, was just a play that I guess like represented like the community that I grew up in and the school that I grew up in and the girls that I grew up with. and and upended the idea that like young teenage girls are are victims, um, and and create something a bit more kind of vibrant and, and funky and true than that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And the thing is, that's what I was saying about. I didn't want to make assumptions around the content of it because, you know, because of having so many different takeaways from it each time I listen to it, I I I didn't want to kind of attach any specific meaning to anything um, particularly when it comes from you know like yourself an artist who you may have been approaching it entirely differently I am absolutely blown away by the fact that you wrote that content in 2013 and Mm. I mean I mean I feel like I feel like right now this week even you know I mean we saw the, the the level of the, the level of discussion and uh, discourse on, on Twitter last week of Irish women um, talking about their experience with various different uh, industries in Ireland. And, and sexual assault is, is it's real, it's happening, it's continuous, it's 
so the idea that you wrote that content in 2013 but it is like you could have told me you wrote that play last week <laughs> well that's a very high compliment thank you very much <laughs> it's standing the test of time it absolutely is and um one of the one of the things that i found really fascinating around it was the the the, the balance between kind of female voices in it and and male voices in it and how they're how they're depicted um because the, the kind of the central character is a teenage girl. And sure. um, I, she seems very aware, very self-aware, very um, kind of knowledgeable of the world around her. So can you tell us a little bit of, of where you got the inspiration for that particular character? Sure. I mean, just like growing up in a school in Dublin in the like early to mid 2000s, <laughs> like teenage girls are like the sharpest, cruelest, smartest, most intimidating, most incredible people I know. Like, do you know what I mean? And I feel like we see them, um, or maybe we do more so now, but we, when I wrote this, we didn't get to see them portrayed in all that kind of messy, complicated glory, uh, you know? Um, so I was just thinking about girls I went to school with and my own experiences at school and, like, how kind of, like, wild and and vicious we could be as well as um free and amazing you know just all those complications and contradictions i guess does that make sense complications and contradictions is is a great way of putting it because there was a couple of times in in like while i was listening where you 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 know you naturally ally yourself with different characters in 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 different plays and yeah. there was times where i was like oh she's wonderful and there's times like oh i don't like her now you know and and it's that wonderful mass of contradiction and it's not straightforward and it's not complicated um it is uh there's there sexuality exudes from the drama from the like the opening scene right all the way through to the very end there is sexuality through it um kind of all the way through and i imagine when people hear this first like you know how have people reacted to you when they hear this work I'd love to hear Kate's thoughts on this one as well because she's played the part not just for radio but also like for a run on stage a couple of years ago at Theatre Upstairs. Um, so having inhabited the character, I'd really be keen to hear what Kate thinks because um, I think I get a, a wide variety of reactions. Do, do you find that, Kate? Yeah, um, d- definitely. I think initially when I first played the, the part on stage, my... Not worried, but I was kind of curious to see how my family, my parents would react. Um, but it the it was interesting because what I thought they would come away with, they didn't. And, and what I was really surprised by was the fact that they were incredibly affected by the ending. And and that's really what the, they wanted to talk about afterwards. And they didn't kind of want to talk about the language or the sexual awakening the character had. And... I thought particularly my mom would be like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm de- like, how are you saying those words? And what, like, who wrote that? And But she didn't, <laughs> it, she really didn't get the message. And I think when it's, when it's received by someone that's that close to you, in like, that's that close to you, and that you can tell that story, and they don't see you telling the story, they actually do, they receive the message of it, that that's a really good sign, you know. Kate, that that's a fantastic kind of description of of trying to deal with, um, you know, the depiction of of a character with the content that that you are, 
um, the content that you are using and how that can be received. I mean, like, I'm not an actress. I've never stood on stage like that, but I, I couldn't imagine performing something like that in front of my mother. And I actually, I, I have to commend your mother on on on, on her reception yeah. of that. And what, like, have you ever had a negative reaction to the um to the to the story? I haven't uh, as performed haven't performed it. I haven't ever um, spoke to anyone who had who found it kind of like either problematic or you know confusing or anything. I think everybody either they had something to say afterwards that was like really positive, or they kind of sat with it and you could see them. You know, afterwards they were like, "I'm just going to take this and I'm going to go away for a while and think about it," which I always think is positive as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, and I, I think I it can open up conversations perhaps for people when they come away from it and, and you know, maybe they don't react to you, um, but when they go away and yeah. they're kind of sitting down with their, their partner or their friends and say, oh, I, you know, I listened to this really interesting drama or I saw this in- really interesting play and it got yeah. me thinking. And I think it does certainly have an opportunity to open up conversations. Yeah, I had one or two like long points with people um, after having either seen it or listened to it. That was a bit like, I guess the thing that people grappled with um, was like, oh, but if something awful happens to this girl, like, did she maybe in part bring it on herself? And I think like, yeah, obviously the answer to that is no. But like, it was yeah. interesting that the play kind of brought people to that place and made them look at that kind of um that that um, prejudice that they had within themselves to kind of to turn things on the victim and to look for reasons to blame the victim. And um, so I thought it was really interesting and positive that to have those conversations, even if they were quite difficult. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I think we've moved into a sphere where, you know, sexual assault was something that nobody could speak about, nobody could talk about. Um, you know, it was something that you didn't you didn't ever, ever, ever discuss. And now it's being discussed. And I and I think that there are difficult conversations that people are having, particularly around that idea of victim blaming and, and putting the um, onus of responsibility on the person who has been assaulted um, rather than the person who's doing the assault. And I mean, we we see that conversation playing out on on online at the moment. And like, yeah, it is a vicious conversation um, that people can have and I think if we can have it in a in a respectful manner it's it's a really positive thing. Kate, you are um a very local actress. You're you're from the Artane area, I believe. I am, yeah. So you're one of our neighbours here. Um Kate, yeah. tell me a little bit about um what it is like to be the you know, the the only person voicing all of these different characters because um I mean when we are using just the 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 medium of audio and trying to differentiate between different voices at no point whatsoever was I in any way confused about which person was speaking and it was absolutely like un- I was blown away by the talent and the, the 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 range in your voice can you tell me about how challenging it is to to do something like that thank you that's very kind of you um I think I have to say Jedi Debris being there um she was the director of the piece for radio and that really helped me um have clarity on the on the people because she would help me either rediscover the voice because as I said I played it for stage before but you know it had been a couple of years and also the physical attributes that you can assign to a character won't be seen on radio so it makes it much more difficult. Everything has to come through a voice and 
she kind of kept reminding me of that to help me kind of go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So you can't kind of go, oh, I'll just do a little thing with the voice, but then I'll do a big physical thing, and then they'll know who I'm, who I'm, who who's on, who's talking. But you that's, can't do that for radio. So, yeah. That's fascinating was, because amazing for that. I felt that every time you moved into uh, another person's voice, I had I had built a, a visualisation of that person in my mind. And it, I, I was really able to kind of, in, in obviously, theatre of the mind, be able to build and construct a physical representation of that person. So, I mean, more parity. That's incredible work. Thank you very much. And, um, and, and tell me, Kate, is, have you done previous work that has just been um, through the audio uh, medium or, or are you more kind of uh, aimed towards theatre? Uh, I've done an awful lot of theatre work thankfully in the last few years um, but which I'm very very lucky to ha- have done but I did do a play that I wrote for myself that was also a one person show uh, in the Fringe Festival about four years ago and that then went on to um, become a radio drama on RTE Radio 1 so I had um, I had a little bit of experience kind of doing a one-person show where there are multiple voices in it. But that time, um, I think when, when you know, when, when you're growing up and you're, when you've, you've had a little bit more experience with it, then you can realise the things that you do with your voice, they might feel different to you, but they don't sound that different to a listener. So there's like all little tips and tricks on radio. I, I really do enjoy actually working on radio and I've done a couple of other people's plays that had multiple characters in and multiple actors involved and, you know, the the things that they do to make sound happen and doors open and things like that I find really fascinating and very engaging. That's brilliant. Um, now, uh, Gavin Byrne uh, here in Near FM uh, kind of sent me over a little bit of background information um, on how, how this this piece of work came to be um, kind of made uh, in, in the radio sphere. And, you know, I, I keep going back to the idea of how topical things are at the moment. But, um, you know, at the moment, there's a huge discussion around women's voices on radio and uh, female representation on radio and the gender balance. I mean, gender balance is something that we can see that's going to be pretty tricky for our government formation at the moment. So it's it it's kind of going across all of the... Um, um, all of the, the, the scopes of society so that, you know, uh, Gavin was basically saying that when he was kind of looking through the audio dramas that we produced here in the in the station is that there was a level of gender balance that was completely unacceptable and he, he, was, he, he kind of let me in on some of the numbers of the 73 audio dramas that we've made over the last 10 to 15 years only 8 of these were female writers or women writers um, now it's not through any kind of selection bias, it was just down to you know I mean, accessibility, perhaps, or people putting themselves forward or scripts that were being received. Um, Now, in the station um, uh, here in NearFM, they took uh, a concerted effort to look for scripts from uh, women writers and to let them know that NearFM was a good avenue to approach to get their plays um, produced. Now, there was the process of adapting a play by Jesse Doyle um, uh, called These Lights. Uh, was taking place when we received funding from the Broadcasting Authority Send Vision Fund for a full series of audio drama from women writers and Petals was the first play that was made as part of that series. Um, so I I, I want to kind of turn my attention back a little bit here to Gillian because uh, in in terms of like gender balance across like all of the arts, what are the... Uh, the, the kind of the level of opportunities 
that are out there for for female artists and is there a difference is it changing are we getting better or are or what's your experience of that um so i mean the first thing to say is like you know any any progress that we may have been seeing six months ago um the pandemic and COVID 19 and the closure of pretty much all arts organizations across the uk ireland everywhere has has really kind of slowed all of this down so like you know any uh, like any accessibility any representation that we are going to have will only be possible with like enormous support for the arts once we get out the other side of the pandemic do you know what i mean um but what i would say is that i think there has been a lot of positive change i think there are opportunities out there i think that like that story that you've told is is a really really clear evidence of one thing that just has to happen and that's outreach um i i've had it in my experience as a in my day job as a literary manager of a theater um male playwrights are just much more comfortable putting themselves forward (laughs) um and actually what needs to happen often is that like organizations need to actively see the gap and go out and seek to redress it themselves and it's not enough to kind of say oh well those people be they women people of color people with disabilities whatever it is they're just not coming to us you have to go out there and let them know that this is the place for them and their work and that's exactly what gavin did in this case and i'm very very grateful for that and i I think that is the thing that we'll need to continue in order to make sure that we keep breaking down those barriers and keep making the arts more accessible um, in a kind of post-COVID-19 world, if that's a reasonable way to put it. Does that, do you know no, that, I mean? makes, that makes 100% perfect sense to me. Um, I, I, I do think it is interesting that you brought in the idea that male playwrights seem to just have a, a more comfortable feeling around kind of putting themselves forward. Um, there's a... There's an incredible book called Invisible Women. Um, I don't know if you've if you've read that one. Um, and it, it's looking at kind of the data bias uh, for across the world for where women basically just have disappeared and and like why like what why do we walk around the city and there's dozens of male statues and there's like I mean in in Dublin city centre I think you can count about three statues of women. I mean. That's kind of, I don't want to go down into a mad digression here, but ultimately what the point I'm trying to get to is that, you know, very often women feel like they have to have the perfect fit and it has to be 100% absolutely meticulous before that they can actually put things forward. I mean, even if we're applying for jobs, we feel like we have to take all of the boxes for, you know, the job description and, and the skills required, whereas men will kind of go with a 70% is grand. I'll uh, give this a blast. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you broaden that out, like that's that's women which make up 50 percent of the population. Like what happens when you start to look at like people of color and, you know, other other marginalized or like communities? Like if we can't even get like 50 percent of the like white female population to like put themselves forward, then like how are we ever going to see those those stories that we've never heard before um, that are really like vibrant and valuable and, and worth hearing. Do you know what I mean? 100%. Now, um, before I let you uh, two ladies go, Kate, can you tell us what is next uh, up for you and your career? What are you currently working on or is it a big, is it a state secret? Um, no, it's, it's not a state secret. I had um, uh, signed on to do a new musical version of Breakfast from Pluto, uh, which is the Irish film that was made from the novel by Pat McCabe and now is being made into a stage version and that was supposed to 
be opening in Galway this month and then go to the Olympia and uh, Birmingham and then the Donmar Warehouse in London. But it's been postponed, postponed. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's all ready to go and it's half cast and um, half of it is written and it's ready to kind of go. But uh, obviously this is a really, you know, these are uncertain times. And so, um, but they've all kept us really updated and, they're hoping that, you know, once the restrictions ease enough for theatre to be, you know, allowed to happen, that they will go ahead with that. So I guess in the, in the meantime, I'm kind of waiting. And um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit nerve wracking and it's, it's quite scary to just see the real lack of resources there for any freelance artists. Um, but, but I really was very um, happy to see the the arts bailout last week for us so that's brilliant and in Ireland and I know that they don't have anything in place yet in the UK so we're we're not in a bad position and um, I think that that's that's certainly a positive thing um, I, I, I'd i like to see it go a little bit further you know but um, yeah, postponed seems to be the word yeah. of uh, 2020 I, I, I really do think that we have we've kind of flipped the idea of essential worker and frontline worker on its head because you know over the course of all of the events that um that have taken place over the last couple of months, you know, people are really starting to appreciate the work that's been done by the people that they never really particularly appreciated before. But I would love to see a conversation around the fact that, you know, when you were in lockdown, you turned to entertainment and you turned to arts, Absolutely. be it through books that you were reading or uh, movies that you watched or, you know, any kind of content that you had. I mean, people, they needed to be entertained they needed to to consume art through some form or another so I mean is there a a certain sense of people have kind of shifted their 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 value of of this particular type of um art I I think it's I'm based in the UK so I think it might be different for both of us what what, how how is it at home yeah I mean Kate you you Um, might have an insight on that yeah there are yeah I mean I don't I think, like, I know when the when the announcement came last week about the arts, there was, um, I was on Twitter, and that can be, you know, that can lead you down a very strange hole, but there were comments kind of, why do the arts need 20 million? You know, I don't want to look at paintings, I want to go to the pub. So I think what it is is actually, at its core, a misunderstanding of what the arts is. I think people think that art is, um, you know, paintings and drawings and, and photographs and they're not understanding that the art is the, the books they're reading or the Netflix they were watching or the radio they were listening to. And that without these workers, that that is essential to their lives. Like that is, that's what has got them through lockdown. You know, even people that were making the plays available online and all of that stuff, I, I think that's what it is, is really a misunderstanding that that is the art. And they don't really know... They also think, I think, that theatre, there's loads of money in theatre and that, you know, oh, I wouldn't be going to the theatre. It's way too expensive when, in fact, you know, the the match they're going to in Aviva is far more expensive. But, yes, they'll go to that, but they, they won't turn up and go to a show at the Gate or the Abbey. Um, so I think there just needs to be, like, a, a shift around making the general public understand that, you know, that what they see at Christmas in the board, gosh, is... You know the musical they go and see, or the panto they go and see. Those are if they take away that funding, or they don't keep supporting and encouraging, and the government don't 
then there won't be any of that. And there won't be any, any artists or actors to take those jobs or stage crew or directors because they'll have to turn away from what they love and take up other jobs. And and I think that's um like that really kind of hammers it into a nutshell because without all of those things, life would be very, very, very dull. Gillian, do you want to give us an insight into what it's like in the UK? It, does it kind of mirror that 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 kind of sentiment that Kate is putting forward there? Yeah, totally. I mean, I I, I back everything that Kate said a hundred percent. So eloquently put, and you're absolutely right. I think the 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 big difference in the UK is, I guess, that we have the West End and like a huge commercial theatre yeah. sector. Um, that that there's like I guess an economic argument for if you like as well as a kind of cultural artistic argument for which is an interesting difference to Ireland but I think the other thing here is that we have um, there's a real connect between uh, the theatre community and film and television so like there's a very very direct kind of journey of like oh normal people that you binge during lockdown was written by Alice Burt and Marco Rowe two amazing playwrights or like um, Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You which is on iPlayer right now and everybody is buzzing about it it's written by a playwright that had her show in like a mm-hmm. small theatre in London five years ago and now she's like rocking te- the telly world do you know what I mean it's like there's a very direct correlation between like the small underfunded struggling theatre and like the blockbuster TV show that you're binging um, on your weekend and so hopefully I think that kind of tends to put it in perspective for people and I think there has been a lot of rallying and support or, or like in theory support behind wanting to see the arts through to the other side of this and um, have not materialised into money yet but um, <laughs> I think there is a lot of like there's a lot of um, support among like Twitter and things like that. <laughs> well, it's 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 a yeah. start. It's not a start, but you know, if tweets could put food on the table, Gillian, tell me what is um up next for 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 you? What are you working on, or what's your next your next uh, project? Sure. Well, I just had another play on, which is I kind of consider like the spiritual sequel to Petals of Meat, uh, that literally maybe mm-hmm. I think the run ended two days before lockdown started, so I may be one of the luckiest playwrights in existence. <laughs> And so we're still kind of hoping to tour that to Ireland at some point. It's set in Dublin. It's very, it's very much it belongs um, on a stage at home in Ireland. But when and how that will be possible right now is a little bit up in the air. But um, I really, really hope to bring that to an Irish stage as soon as we can. Um, yeah, and just writing away. I've no excuse now. Stuck at home. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Do you want to give us the social media handles, Gillian? Oh yeah, um, so I'm trying to do social media cleanse at the moment, but um, I'm Jilltopia mm-hmm. on like every platform that you can find me on. Um, if anybody wants to come say hi, that's fine with me. That's great. And Kate, have you got a, a, a social media handle you'd like to plug? Yeah, I, I'm at uh, underscore Kate Gilmore. That's it for across all the platforms. Excellent. Ladies, thank you so much for your time this morning. Um, if For thank anybody you. who wants to listen to Petals, you can check it out. If you basically put in petals and near fm you will find it um but we can pop up a link on our own twitter feed near uh at near fm anyway so uh ladies it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this morning amazing thank you so much it was lovely Uh, you're great now just to give you a little taster of what petals is all about and uh, we'll be right back after this
the smack of bare damp skin against my back and saying that is his breath attack my cheek enough to make me weak the reek of last night's sweet and sour could knock a rhino out a burst of bright blue feathers cuts the air a half inch from my cheek a streak of yellow darting all graceful easy warm in mouth lunchtime and with the chime of bells we waft towards the ladies on the second floor like bats from hell to get an early start petals from the shower head to cleanse me white petals ripped from flowers touch and end me 